Bomani. What's up, man? Hey, man. Um, I just can't help but point out the fact that we're doing a commercial just to stay getting in the top ten, huh? Like, 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 like. There's a pat on the back for that. That's that's where the Bomani. You you used to do radio here. You know how this is. This is the biggest game in NC State's like program history, man. Oh no, I'm all good with the game part, but way to go, guys, to make the top ten. Don't <laughs> be Clemson. You know, like this is. I mean, this is this is kind of the parade after the Gator Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, it is. But you know what? Just, it is. Just don't make the joke so easy. That's all I'm saying. But you know and what, I'm not man? talking to you, the station. I'm talking to the NC State fans, who I'm sure appreciated the hell out of that. Yeah, we are in the top two. We hell. Well, you know what the issue is? They want they want more talk about the top. They're mad right now. This is this is something that you have talked about in the past, and 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 you and I agree on this. Uh, the BCS and eventually the college football playoff has created a conversation around only a handful of teams in the grand scheme of things. And the way that this top 10 matchup is being positioned is, well, what if Clemson loses? Cool. But what if NC State wins? I mean, yeah. what if NC State wins? I mean, are they going to be shut out of the college football playoff because they're NC State? I mean, it's entirely possible they win the league. They got a good enough team to do it. The ACC is a little iffy here and there. But still, what if NC State wins? What are we talking about here? Now, if they walked and they won the conference, they probably make the playoff. Like, I think they probably wound up in a situation where they play enough teams where they would get there, especially yeah. with Oklahoma already having a loss, right? Because you know the playoff is going to be at least a Big Ten team and two SEC teams. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is basically fighting for that one. I do think if you wind up winning the ACC and with Florida State, who – I mean, they're not bad. Yeah, that's like, the I thing. I don't know exactly how good they are, but that tank they got playing that wide receiver. Uh, like, I, I think it's <laughs> much in the game against Syracuse. Hey, if the tank and wide receiver and the backup quarterback came in, and I was like, oh, they might be cooking with gas pretty soon over there. Yeah, Norvell's had a, a, a long haul to get that program back to being somewhat respectable. But the ACC right now in the Atlantic Division is going through a series of top 25 matchups, right? Wake Forest, around here, we put a lot of respect on what Dave Clawson's built. They took Clemson to the brink last week. They've got a key top 25 matchup against Florida State tomorrow. Obviously, we got Clemson and NC State in primetime. And then the following week, Florida State's coming here to take on NC State. So this is three weeks of top 25 matchups. If this were the SEC, we're talking meat grinder, but because it's the ACC, we don't talk about it that way. Well, it's also because you're talking about a lot of teams that are hovering like in so I think Florida State is in that in between that twenty fringe. and twenty five. Yep. Wake Forest is in between that in between twenty and twenty five sort of place. And it's people that don't nobody actually believe in yet. Like mm -hmm. I think the SEC is overrated, but I understand as, as a general notion. I think people ascribe too much to what the SEC is top to bottom. When in various years it winds up being a pretty top heavy conference when you go back and you actually look at it. At the end of the year, maybe we wind up looking at all of this different. But, no, the ACC is never going to be considered a meat grinder unless Florida State and Miami get good at the same time. If that happens, then the way that people talk about it completely changes because that was the whole basis of this alignment of the conference, and it never happened. Bomani Jones, ESPN, right time at the podcast, Game Theory on HBO. Um, I've been trying, you know, as you heard in that little promo, uh, congratulating NC State for being in the top ten. I'm, I'm also trying to be positive vibes only when it comes to Mac Brown and North Carolina after they got embarrassed by Notre Dame. Now, Virginia Tech is in that really bad spot where, ooh, the end of the Frank Beamer time and the Justin Fuente experiment were so bad that the new coach really has to dig himself out of a hole. If they lose... 
lose to this Hokies team on Saturday after they got embarrassed. I mean, what are we doing with Mac Brown in the grand scheme of things? Tell everybody he was right. Yeah, I know. They can tell me I was right, too, but yes, yes. Yeah, that's that's what we mean. You know, that first year went a little better. I tried to eat a little crow because that's what the people like. But (laughs) this is the thing about Mac and that particular job, and this is very important. Mac is not a strategist, right? But he is a guy that has a clear ideology about the way he wants to play football that is not always in line with what the modern times playing football is. But he's not a strategist, which is to say you're never going to be better than the talent on your roster. Mm -hmm. That is best-case scenario is the talent on your roster when you've got Mac there. They're getting players, but you're seeing, again, best-case scenario is the level of talent that's there. The defense seems to be a mess full-time mess uh it's actually interesting because it works out everybody was so down on them after they lost the app and then people figured out that Appalachian state is actually not bad yeah. right it, it, it became a lot less embarrassing mm-hmm. um the week after that but let's say because i don't know what the bottom is for this team i haven't looked at them closely enough right let's say it's a five and 17 i'm really just throwing that number out sure. there. you tell me if that's unfair it's not unfair because they, they're they're capable of winning every game in conference play and losing every game in conference play that's 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 what they are right now yeah, but if they went five and seven, I would be asking the coach to maybe retire. Then do you look at what Mac Brown did as a success? Well, I feel like, and you let me know this, there were things around the edges of the Fedora era that Mac probably came in and cleaned up, some yes. relationships type stuff, like right, like reestablishing recruiting. Yep. Like Randy Shannon is an interesting case. You and I have talked about many times for years. Was the Randy Shannon time in Miami a success? You could actually make the argument, yes, because they didn't really hire him to win games. They mm-hmm. hired him to clean up all this other stuff. Now, the difference in this case is people in this area have an experience. And remember, Mac Brown leading North Carolina to the top five, which is a pretty miraculous feat when you stop and think about it. And not just a week in the top five, the final poll yes. top five. So the expectations were higher. But if he leaves the program in a better place that he found it, that's not, and that's not necessarily evaluated by wins and losses, then yeah, I think you could say it. The problem is, and I need to let you guys know this because I've seen this happen with my own eyes, he ain't walking on his own. Yeah. You're going to have to throw him overboard. And if you don't know why I say that, that dude thought that he was going to get fired in Austin and jumped on a plane to Miami ostensibly to go um, – recruit Dalvin Cook Mm -hmm. and I called the coach at the school and I said has Mac been there before he said I've been here five years and I ain't never seen him once (laughs) when everybody thought that he was gonna walk he's like I'm not gonna walk they're like okay we're gonna fire you I'm gonna get on a plane and recruit in Florida where I haven't recruited for 15 years yeah see that's where I'm at you could point to the macro depending on how things go this year if they go five and seven, you can still point to the macro of what North Carolina needed to reset with Mac Brown. And in that regard, he did exactly as intended. Repaired a lot of relationships with high school, uh, North Carolina high schools, turned the recruiting around, showed you that North Carolina, despite all the work that Dave Dorn has done at NC State to build a program and develop players, people are really thirsty for North Carolina football to be successful, right? But like 1997, and I said this when he was hired, best case scenario is that Mac Brown resets things and then you correct the error of 1997 where you hired Carl Torbush to replace him. That you go out and get, you know, the hot up-and-coming coach or somebody you feel who can then take the program where it needs to be rather than the step back that we saw with Carl Torbush. And then that, of course, led to John Bunting, which, you know, X, Y, Z, right? And when they got serious about football, Butch Davis, well, we know how that story played out too. 
<laughs> Bomani Jones, ESPN, Right Time is a Podcast, HBO Game Theory. All right, to serious matters. And what we saw last night with Tua Tungavailoa. The NFL's in a weird spot because you, me, and everybody else, we know what we saw against Buffalo on Sunday, man. Like, they can try to explain it away, and there's ways to understand baseline tests in the moment you can pass, but we know concussions have a history of showing symptoms late. You combine that with a four-game, a four-day turnaround for Thursday Night Football and what occurred last night, there's no there's no way to explain away how the protocols are, are working or not working. People are just going to see a, a, a young star who's had a great start to the season with the fencer's pose. How can the NFL kind of work from here after what we saw last night with the investigation pending and everything else? Well, I don't know what they can do just because nobody's going to believe them. <laughs> True. So, so th- this is the thing to me uh, about what happened in the game Sunday, and I watched that as it happened live. I personally do not know if woozy equals concussion. Sure. Right? I don't know if there's a straight through line that gets you there. Now, if you want to make the argument that seeing him stumble when he got up was enough to justify taking him out of the game on Sunday, I'm willing to hear you out on that, right? But I don't feel comfortable for where I am being so clear in saying that guy clearly had a concussion. Like, Mm -hmm. that guy clearly hit his head on the ground. But we watch on TV and we associate that. Like, we use concussion as a very broad term, and I don't know how correct we are Mm -hmm. in the way that we wind up using it, right? Like, that I don't know. I do know this. That dude could have had on the greatest helmet ever made. So great it hasn't even been made yet, (laughs) and he was going to be concussed on this play that we saw on Thursday night. Like, I don't know necessarily how connected the two things are. Mm-hmm. I do feel, I do think that the NFL over the course of the past, I guess we'll call it 10 years, has definitely gotten a lot better about this. Yeah. And I do think that we have teams that we've seen, like the Panthers, for example, um, at least during the Rivera era, you could pretty much count it up. If you had a concussion on Sunday, you were not going to play yep. the next Sunday. Across the league, generally, we have seen that if you got concussed on Sunday, you're not going to play in a game on Thursday night. The Dolphins, on some level, adamantly convinced themselves that Tua was not concussed on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They seem to really believe that. Like, I don't think those people are lying. I don't think it was a, how many fingers am I holding? Right, you got it, you know, before you yeah. guys a chance to answer. They seem to really believe that he did not have a concussion. I don't know, like, what to do or where to go from that. I just know when I saw that dude laying on the ground with his fingers up like that, I was like, damn, how did he get his fingers broke on both hands? Because I'd never seen anything like that before, ever in my life had I seen that. So, no, the NFL, the best they can do is put out the most transparent report that they possibly can about what happened on Sunday after the investigation the NFLPA does and all of that. Like, that to me is the best chance that they have on this. Because yeah. otherwise, man, people just don't believe them. I give I give the NFL credit. Concussion rates have gone down. Uh, they've used, you know, now mind you, how they have to get to that point is another matter. I mean, it took Will Smith going, tell the truth to, you know, understand this being a, a bad public PR nightmare for them, right? So I give them credit for finally getting on the ball here. But there are some, there are some, deficiencies in the process, right? And we'll close on this. I do find it kind of strange that there's an investigation into what happened on Sunday and they wait they were going to wait until today 
to really get to the bottom of it because the Dolphins were being given time to focus on the thing that ultimately mattered, their game on Thursday. You see where this is a problem? Like, how are you going to – you're putting the guy out there while you're investigating whether or not he had a concussion in the first place. So if you are wary of the Dolphins' process, how do you let the Dolphins put the guy out there while you're investigating it? Again, that's that's procedural – that can get caught up in, you know, the bureaucracy of it all. But it is interesting that we know what the real focus is, and that's to make sure they get out there and play that game. They can correct some of these things going forward, and I think that would be, the you know, the best thing to come out of this. Uh, and then ultimately, like I said last night watching this game, hey, sometimes we have to see these replays to remind ourselves that what we watch, what we enjoy on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday nights is a brutal freaking game. And things like this are going to happen, and we have to be reminded of this. I'm okay with how that played out last night. Also, think about this for a second. I don't know if you remember this. I guess it was about 10 years ago. So uh, when Justin Morneau played for the Twins, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. he had a concussion in July, missed the rest of the baseball season. I think it may have rolled into the next season, right? Mm-hmm. When you stop and think about it, in other sports, it doesn't happen that much. But you'll see guys miss significant time. We've seen it with the Hurricanes. One, yeah, with one concussion. Mm-hmm. You never see that in the NFL. Yeah. Right? A dude might miss a week in the NFL, and this is a game that we all believe is a bit more violent than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever misses more than a week.